Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am Steven Serta. Very happy to be joined today by Zach Kiefer. Zach covers the Indianapolis Colts for The Athletic. You can also follow him on Twitter at Z Kiefer. Zach, thank you so much for giving us some time today. How are we doing ahead of the, of the Colts Week 3 matchup against the Chiefs? Yeah, it's an interesting week in Indy. There's a lot of panic button. There's a lot of uproar. There's a lot of just anger about how this team is playing. And, and I think a part of that is they know who's coming to town and they know what can happen if they're not ready. Yeah, and that's where I want to start. Obviously, things haven't gone exactly as planned for the Colts through two weeks, You know, tying with the Texans week one, getting shut out in week two against the Jaguars. Uh, in your honest opinion, what's been the biggest issue so far with this Colts team through two weeks that they're going to try to address this week against the Kansas City Chiefs? How much time do you got? We could go all day. <laughs> Uh, you know, right now they're a bad they're a bad football team. They are. They're poorly coached. They're poorly constructed. Um, after all the talk of how they fell on their face last year in Jacksonville in Week 18, with the playoff berth on the line, they go down there Sunday and play even worse, and they lost 24 to zero to a Jacksonville team that that might win five games, might win six. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's 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 not just schematic. It's effort. It's it's coaching. It's basic fundamental football that they're just not doing. The line is the most expensive in football. The offensive line is $42.2 million against the cap this year. That's the highest of any offensive line unit in the entire league. And they've been terrible. They've been terrible. They got an $80 million left guard. They got a $50 million center. They got a $70 million right tackle that are just not getting it done. So for me, nothing's going to go right until this offensive line gets his stuff together. And they got Chris Jones this week, and they've got a Kansas City pass rush that will get after you. And then secondly, I'm literally scared of what Patrick Mahomes might do to this defense. They have been out of their gaps. They've tackled poorly. They haven't rushed the passer well. They haven't won one-on-ones up front. The defense is just not – it's just not on the same page, and that's a problem because you don't – you can be on the same page and still get exposed by Mahomes. So um, it could get ugly. I think they're going to play better and harder, but I definitely don't see the Colts winning. So I, I want to get back to the offensive line here in a second, but you mentioned the defense and, you know, it's been talked about all week. Patrick Mahomes has had a lot of success against Gus Bradley's defensive schemes. And I, I'm curious if, you know, obviously last season you had Matt Eberflus, who's now with the Chicago bears and ha- he had a lot of success in Indianapolis over the last several years, building that defensive unit. How much of the early season struggles are you putting on the absence of Shaquille Leonard, who is back at practice this week? Seems like he's got a good chance to play. Or is it the new defensive system that's been installed by Gus Bradley? Yeah, I'm going to go with the latter. It's it's the system. I don't know what this defensive identity is. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do. With Flus, with Eberflus, it was, you know, keep everyone in front, avoid the big plays, stop the run, force field goals in the red zone. And that worked when it was working. There's that game a couple of years ago that's, that's sort of an anomaly where they blitzed Mahomes a lot, and I think they won like 19-9. to nine. He was injured for part of the game, but you know that was a big game for this team post-Andrew Luck. But you're, you're right about Shaquille Leonard. Like, There's no replacing him, and this team needs him back in the worst way. Like, Not just what he does on the football field, but he's the heartbeat of that entire unit, and they just don't have it right now. So he's been practicing, but it's certainly no guarantee he plays this week. I do think that he can be that kind of difference maker and it, you know, we're only going into week three, but 
it already kind of feels like it's like a back against the wall kind of game for the Colts and Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and with the way that it's gone through two weeks. But uh, moving back to the offense, you mentioned the offensive line and it is the most expensive in, in football, but uh, you know that the right side of the line has been a, a particular issue for the Colts so far. And also they chose not to invest in the left tackle position after you know, letting Eric Fisher go into free agency. He's still a free agent out on the open market right now, but they brought in uh, former Eagles offensive lineman, Matt Pryor has Pryor been just as big of an issue on the left side as the right side of the offensive line. Yeah, he has, he has, he's been a problem. And, we saw this in training camp. He just doesn't handle speed well. You know, he's not a he's not a tackle. He's a guard, and they moved him out to tackle. And I think he had one career start at that position before this year. And they just kind of said, "We're going to hope this works." And the problem with that is, if they if it doesn't, then where do you go? They've got a rookie in Bernard Ryman who's who's hurt this week. I don't expect him to play. He was sort of the backup, but with him hurt, you know, it's it's just it's prior right now and. He's just not getting it done, and, and, and Matt Ryan is not a guy that's going to be able to overcome offensive line issues, not at this stage of his career. Uh, and that was actually going to be my next question. You know, the expectations obviously didn't work out last season with Carson Wentz. You bring in Matt Ryan, who is an aging veteran, but you know, through two games, he's been sacked seven times. He's got four interceptions to one touchdown. He's got five fumbles in two weeks, and – the offensive line is a huge issue, and I totally agree with you that at this stage in his career, for a guy who's never exactly been a, a mobile quarterback anyways, um, you got to do a better job up front protecting him. But would you also put some of the struggles on the lack of explosive playmakers in the pass-catching game for the Colts? And obviously, Michael Pittman was out last week. Uh, you know, As a Michael Pittman fan, I hope we get to see him this week against the Kansas City Chiefs, but it seems like after Pittman – they just don't have many guys they can rely on right now in Indianapolis. They don't. They don't. That's a problem. And I didn't think it would look as bad as it did without Pittman, but it, it, was, it was worse. I mean, it was, it was an embarrassment. Um, he's a stud. Like, he's, he's a number one. The, the Texans simply could not guard him in week one, and he put up 120 on nine catches, and he was the guy. It was him or everybody else. And Without him on Sunday, here's the problem when your best players are running back. The defense can key on the run game. And if you don't have any threats on the outside, these guys weren't getting separation. There was one play, Matt Ryan literally went through three progressions and couldn't throw it because these guys weren't open. So, you know, maybe this changes. But right now, they, they don't have a good receiving core. Probably the thinnest in the league. Paris Campbell, Mike Strawn, Desmond Patman, Ashton Doolin. Like, do those names do anything for you? Like, yeah, so... It's, it's really a two-headed monster right now on offense. And if you shut down Pittman and or Taylor, you're going to have a pretty good chance to win. I am curious about Paris Campbell, who you just mentioned, because you know he's a former first-round pick, a, a guy that the Colts had high expectations for at one point. But obviously so far in his career, he has just dealt with injury after injury and you know, last week I was kind of expecting Paris Campbell, like, oh, this is a good spot for him to step up and yeah, show that sure. he still has some juice. And then, you know, only two targets. It does it just feel like the injuries have, have just slowed him down too much, like at this point in his career, even though he's such a young player still? Man, I thought this was a huge opportunity for him. I, I would have told you before the game, and I would have looked like an idiot afterward that this is gonna be a day for Paris Campbell to change the narrative on his career. 
He's been injured a lot heading into this year. I think it was only 15 games in three seasons. He's had a ton of unfortunate injury luck, and that's not on him. But the door is wide open right now, and nobody is stepping through it. And that starts with Paris Campbell. I, he can play in this league. He's shown it. He's had good games. They know how to use him. Part of it was last week the game got away from them. Matt Ryan threw a terrible interception on the first drive. The Jaguars scored. They were playing catch-up. They couldn't get the run game going. And without Pittman and without the run game, there's there's just no chance. So this is a big year for him. He knows this is his last shot in Indianapolis. It's his fourth year. He's a second-round pick. They've given him chances after the injuries. The door is wide open, and he needs to step through it. And I think life will be easier now that Pittman's back. I expect him to play Sunday. But they are desperate for somebody in the receiving room to step up and say, I'm going to be the number two because nobody's done it yet. Paris Campbell is a player that I, I always liked and, and I would love to see him actually turn his career around. I had high expectations for him last week too, and was kind of disappointed in that performance, but uh, getting back to Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, everybody knows Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in football right now. Like he is just one of the most explosive offensive playmakers in the game. And, you know, last week things got out of hand early and, and they kind of went away from him. He only wound up having a few touches and, you know, salvage the day a little bit by having an explosive run later in the game. But week one, Taylor actually seemed pretty involved in the passing game, especially like early in that contest where, you know, he comes out of week one with seven targets. And then last week, just nothing in the passing game. Is that something that we're going to see more with Jonathan Taylor this year? Because it seems like the smart thing to do when you have a lack of playmakers on offense is just manufacture touches for the guys that you do have who can make plays for you. Yeah, you'd think that. I'm not ready to say that. I think the one guy that they're going to get more touches to in the passing game is another running back. That's Naheem Hines. They're essentially going to have to turn him into a slot receiver because they don't have one and because that's the only way to get him touches. I think Taylor is still going to be a heavy workload back. Um, you know, I don't want to excuse what happened in Jacksonville because it was inexcusable. But I think offensively, you just throw the tape away. You just Everything needs to be better. There's no like – you don't need to be a football guru or an expert to be like, Every single thing you did was terrible. Um, they need to branch out. They need to try some different things. I think they need to start blocking up front. Like, it's very simple. It's very simple football. But I think they need to get Hines more involved. He's another one of those guys. He's the only, he's the only playmaker on this roster besides Pittman and, and, and JT on the offense that can make stuff happen. And, and you guys know this well in Kansas City. At the end of the day, it's, it's one-on-one matchups. It's, it's good on good. And the Colts don't get their good players in a position – to exploit their talents as much as they should. And that's been a problem so far. So you got to get Taylor the ball with some push. I mean, they're averaging 1.4 yards before contact. So Taylor's going one yard and getting hit every single time. And I think he's as good as anyone in the league at what he does. But if there's no push, it's, it's the NFL in 2022, man. If you can't throw the ball, you're not going to be able to run the ball. And if you can't run the ball, this team has, has got nowhere to go. So you just pick your poison on offense. There, there's a problem with every single level of this offense right now. It's And the Chiefs suffered a loss this week when linebacker Willie Gay was suspended by the NFL for four games. So uh, I think that's a matchup that the Colts should absolutely exploit this weekend against the Chiefs. So we'll see if that actually winds up happening. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time. Again, he's Zach Kiefer. You can follow all his work at The Athletic. You can also follow him on Twitter at Z Kiefer. Uh, Zach, once again, thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Thanks, man. That was fun. 